So I think what impressed me the most about uh, the pathology residency program at UW is that like everyone is just so willing to teach and, you know, like really passionate and really enthusiastic about what they do. And they get really excited when somebody else is also interested in what they do. Welcome to the People of Pathology podcast. I'm Dennis Strink. On this podcast, we explore pathology, laboratory medicine, and forensic science. In many medical schools, students have very little exposure to pathology, and it isn't a required rotation. So because of this, it makes sense that they wouldn't choose pathology residency. My guest today is Grace Lee. Grace is a second-year medical student, and just this past summer, she completed the Angevine Fellowship at the University of Wisconsin. Today, we'll talk about Grace's experience in the fellowship and why this might be another viable option to attract more medical students to pathology. All right, here's Grace Lee. We were just talking, you have just started your second year of medical school. Uh, but I want to go back to kind of the beginning and how you got inspired to to go to medical school. So let's let's start there. Now, you told me that you became interested in forensic pathology at a very young age. Can you tell me how old you were and how that happened? Sure. Um, so this is when I was still in China, going to middle school, I believe at the time, maybe middle school. Go- yeah, middle school, uh, probably sixth grade or seventh grade. Couldn't quite recall. So I was around 11 years old. I We had this family friend and she was studying abroad in Singapore and she, like her mom told my mom that she wanted to go into forensics or were interested in, you know, forensic science just in general. So I got really curious um, because at that time I was also digging into some, you know, like criminal case files and court case files because I was interested in law as well. So I dug into it, went to the library, you know, check out books. Okay, what is forensic science? What is forensic medicine, uh, odontology, toxicology and all that uh, related to the forensics. Um, then I discovered that China actually had really deep roots um, in forensic medicine. So I was telling you earlier in our Zoom call that this book called, uh, the literal translation is The Washing Away of the Wrongs, is essentially a uh, a journal uh, written by a forensic pathologist in China back in 1247. Uh, AD. Wow. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's way, way before any, um, any of, um, I guess the modern forensic medicine, uh, texts were ever published. So I was like, wow, our roots really go deep. Um, so I got, I uh, started uh, reading that book and it was very detailed, um, with a lot of information that still remained true today, even in back in those days, you know, like DNA or chemistry, finger typing, all of those technologies were not re- really available, but he was still able to essentially just kind of strap together like all the materials that he can get, like vinegar, uh, I don't know what, some like herbs and soap. <laughs> I think that was one of the, uh, one, in one of his cases that he noted. So uh, yeah, then I got really interested. I was like, wow, this is really fascinating. And then I started looking into more books uh, from the library and going on like uh, all sorts of like professional uh, like websites, uh, educational websites, um, just to see what is all about. And that's how I really got interested in it. And I was able to also do some shadowing when I was in China in high school, when I, um, you know, I went home for a summer uh, with the local police department, because in China, the forensic uh, pathology uh, system or medical examiner system is integrated into the law enforcement. Yeah. So they kind of work together. They're also police officers um, on paper. Okay. Yeah. Well, tell me about that shadowing. Like, what, what did you get to do uh, during that? Yeah, yeah. So essentially, I went. We didn't really. I didn't really go to the scene with them. I think the bodies were brought to the local morgue. So, at least in the city where I live, um, they don't really have a designated uh, center for uh, forensic autopsies. Instead, they just have like a lab or like a back room in a funeral home. And that's where they would do the forensic autopsies. So that was, I believe it was, I think the summer of my sophomore year of high school when I went home and I followed um, the local um, 
forensics or criminalistic uh, department where we did, I think, two, maybe, yeah, two cases on that really hot summer. It was at least 93 degrees. <laughs> I guess really hot oh, where I yuck. live. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think there were, there were two cases. So essentially I was able to put on some PPEs and just watch uh, them perform the autopsy. I think both, I'm pretty sure both were homicides. Um, yeah, both were homicides. Um, yeah. So then and I was able to like ask questions and they were able to show me like all the findings that they collected. And, and I think I had lunch with them afterwards, like the, 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 um, the team, uh, of medical examiners, um, slash police officers because the systems are integrated in China. Yeah. So that was, that was, that was really cool. Did they think it was a little strange that, I mean, you would have been what, 14, 15 yeah, at this time? Yeah. Um, a little bit, <laughs> probably. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, no, they were really welcoming and very friendly. Um, yeah, they were, they, they were all very excited. And I think that's something that I've noticed, uh, cross culture, like whether it was in China or here in the United States, all the forensic pathologists I've interacted with so far are all very excited and nice and passionate people. They, oh, yeah. yeah. All right. Very cool. Okay. Now, you mentioned now this is during the summer when you went back mm-hmm. to China. Yeah. So this was around the time where you had moved to the U.S., can you tell me about that? Like, why, why did you why did you come to the U.S.? Sure. So I initially um, participated in an exchange program during middle school. I think it was ninth grade. So I was able to attend high school in San Francisco and stay with a host family for about two weeks when I was um, when I was in ninth grade with my school with a group of students and, and teachers from my school in China, and that really got me intrigued <laughs> by the U.S. Uh, uh, education uh, system, the, the whole K-12 system, since they were able to, you know, like do orchestra and like participate in sports after school and do like all sorts of like science projects that I couldn't possibly imagine. Not not necessarily because we don't have the resources in China, like sure we do, but just the way the education system is structured around standardized tests made it really difficult for you to pursue any sort of outside interests. So that's why I kind of mentioned to my parents, hey, you know, like I kind of wanted to, I want this experience. Um, I want to go to high school in the US and just, uh, we just happened to have a family, a family friend connection um, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, where my mom's high school, my mom's college classmate's daughter also went, also studied abroad uh, for okay. high school. Yeah. Okay. So, so you go from San Francisco, so then you're in Pennsylvania. Yes. All right. And you now this is still for high school. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you've been, go- and you've been going back to China during that time, it, it just kind of to visit, like how long were these visits usually? Uh, as long as the summer breaks are usually okay. <laughs> not, not too long. Yeah. Okay. Now then for, for college. So you went to the university of Wisconsin. Yes. What were you studying at the time? Yeah, so at UW Madison, uh, I was able to basically declare major as soon as I got in. I think there's, they might still be able to do that, but you might have to reapply after your first year. So my declared majors, uh, was, uh, biomedical engineering as my primary okay. major. And later on, I added, uh, criminal justice as a minor. And somehow that just turned into a second major in my second or third year. I don't remember. Yeah. So, so, um, you know, that's in conclusion, my majors were biomedical engineering, legal studies with a minor in criminal justice. Sounds like a pretty good uh, preparation for forensic pathology. Mm -hmm. Okay. And was that like, was that always the plan you were going to, you were going to go from college to medical school? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think in high school, I kind of got a little sidetracked. Okay. It's like, what do I want to do? Um, cause I didn't quite understand the pathway, right? To forensic medicine. Cause okay. it really is a long way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like eight to nine years after, yeah, after college. Yeah. With residency, medical school fellowship all included. So I think in high school, in high school, I didn't really know, but engineering has always been my passion and biology and just like medical, uh, life science in general, uh, was my favorite subject. 
So I thought, oh, okay, maybe I'll start off with biomedical engineering. And I also, you know, my on my dad's side, there were, I have three generations of engineering. <laughs> so so engineering was kind of like, let's start there and then we'll see how it goes. And I really fell in love with it. Uh, but I like you were saying, uh, forensic medicine has never left my mind. You know, that was always kind of like tucked in the back, tucked away in the back of my heart. Like one of these days, um, I will find a way there. So yeah, I think it just worked out really well being doing biomedical engineering and being able to fulfill all the pre-med requirements while still maintaining an interest in criminal law. Now you, like we said at the beginning, so you've just started your second year of medical school and it seems like already you've decided that, that you're going to go into pathology. Was there, were there any other specialties that you considered or it was like just, it was pathology from the beginning and that was it? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so first year medical school, I'm sure this experience probably rings true for a lot of other medical students. Um, you're just so immersed in content, like lecture materials and everything. Like you kind of, you're kind of low. You're somewhat removed from the reality of medicine, <laughs> um, especially like in terms of subspecialties, right? We don't really get to see any of those. Like at most, you might okay. have family med or emergency med, um, OB-GYN, PEs, uh, physicians on staff with you who can give you a little bit of, of the clinical, like a taste of the clinical uh, side of things. So I think first year is I was just so busy with just learning everything. I kind of, you know, I, I knew I really enjoyed pathology. I knew forensics is still, um, you know, after my heart, my heart is still after forensics. Uh, but I just, I just don't have that much of an assurance uh, or confirmation that this is really what I will be doing for the next four years um, after medical school. Um, so, but kind of like leading to your next question on this fellowship program, like it really helped, helps confirm that this is what I wanted to do for the next four years and ultimately leading into forensic pathology as a subspecialty. And in terms of other specialties I'm interested in, like I've tried to be open to all other specialties because I do find those really fascinating and they can really help me um, in the future when I become a forensic pathologist. Just having that broad knowledge base of all specialties like OB-GYN, PEDS, uh, neurosurgery, because we cut brains all the time and family med and uh, infectious diseases, especially. Um, so I, yeah. I would say I'm very open and I find everything really fascinating, but I think pathology is the one that kind of, you know, really culminates and includes and brings everything together. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't go to medical school, so I don't, I, I don't know anything about it, but is there like a pathology class in the first year? Is there a, a lecture or something? Mm -hmm. So I think each medical school does it slightly differently. Okay. In our school, I really like it because we integrate pathology into every single course. So we go, we do an organ system approach, like system by system. So in like right now, we're learning about hematology, oncology. So we will learn um, like, uh, like blood related disorders, um, you know, like leukemias, uh, anemias, lymphomas. So it's really nice to just have a little bit of pathologies throughout first year uh -huh. of medical school. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, that's the way we do it. Um, some schools might do it differently. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's great. I, I kind of like that uh, approach. All right. So you mentioned the fellowship a little bit ago. So this is the Angevine Fellowship at the University of Wisconsin. So we're going back to Madison. Mm -hmm. All right. So the, so the first thing then, how did you hear about this fellowship? I saw it on their website, but it really was um, almost, it's, it's very coincidental that I saw it on their website. <laughs> Because initially I was going to do something else. I was going to do um, like a shadowing or like an internship with the local medical examiner's office in Richmond, Virginia. I was actually already in contact with them. Um, but somehow I think it was it was like a conversation with my mom or something uh, that like she mentioned something about Madison or like maybe even going back to Madison this summer to visit my church family and visit my friends and just kind of you know, like enjoy your summer break as a break, as a last break you will ever have during the course of medical school. So I was like, yeah, sure. I can, I can look into it. And I was just schooling around and, 
Yeah, lo and behold, it says Angevine Fellowship on the w- website of the Department of Pathology. Yes, and that's how I found out about this opportunity. And it's, it, it really um, appealed to me because it says rotation through like eight different services within pathology. I didn't even know there were more than eight services. There were eight services in pathology. I just thought, okay, maybe like forensics, maybe surge, surge path, and that was about it. So that got me really excited. And then I started looking into more about like the requirement, which kind of gets into your <laughs> next questions. Um, it says primarily like UW medicine students are preferred. UW medical yeah. students are preferred, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just like, mm, okay, but I graduated from there. Like I did like four years of undergrad plus, plus one year of master's. So I'm like, can I somehow, you know, like, make my way in there. So I emailed the program director, Dr. Brooks, uh, who was really wonderful. Um, I even called her and she kind of, she, uh, she determined that, you know, since you did undergrad here and you have this strong connection with uh, UW-Madison, which is Wisconsin in general, I think um, it is acceptable that we will consider you as a candidate for this fellowship. So that's how it all got started. I sent in my CV and got recommendation letter from uh, my PI uh, when back when I did research um, at UW-Madison. Okay. Yeah. All right. I think we skipped over that part. Uh, can you tell me uh, the research that you did at Madison? Yeah, of course. Um, so I was involved in research um, as early as freshman year in undergrad. Not just because I wanted to get into med school, I knew research is good for med- medical school, uh, but I, I genuinely was interested in research. Like I wanted to, I enjoy the discovery pro- process, the, you know, the designing of the experiments and just kind of following the chain of evidence and answering scientific questions. And yeah, so I primarily was involved in making or designing engineering cancer models uh, at the MMB lab, uh, which is led by Dr. David Beebe. He's a principal investigator and the, and the research faculty in the Department of Pathology. So since my background is in engineering, which worked out really well, our lab also focused very much on engineering in vitro models or ex vivo models, meaning outside of the body. So we are, our goal is to create models that would best mimic the human uh, tumor microenvironment to study how uh, like maybe like drug screening process and how tumor cells interact with this microenvironment and how that can help uh, with therapeutic decisions, treatment decisions. Oh, okay. That's interesting because I've heard a lot about tumor microenvironment recently. Like that's kind of become a very sort of hot field. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now I wanted to point out kind of how you got into the Angevine Fellowship being not being a medical student at University of Wisconsin, mm-hmm. because I mean, this is something that you wanted to do and you were determined to do it and you figured out a way to, to get in. I mean, it was, you know, they, they knew who you are because like you said, you went to undergrad there, mm-hmm. but still it was, uh, you, you kind of went against the grain a little bit because that's what you wanted to do and it worked out for you. And I think that's an important lesson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so so let's let's get into the fellowship. Well, quite a bit. Now, this is this is I've I've had I've talked about uh, with uh, her name is Dr. Phoebe Hammer. She was on the show earlier. She did a mm-hmm. post sophomore fellowship, which is an entire year. So you you take a year off from med- medical yes. school, basically. So this is different because it's over the summer, mm-hmm. and it, it's what twelve weeks? I think it was. Uh, ten weeks. Ten weeks. Okay. Can we kind of, kind of give like an overview of the areas of pathology that it includes? Sure. Um, so as we know, um, pathology is divided generally into anatomical and clinical. Mm-hmm. So on the AP side, uh, anatomical side, we have forensics and surgical pathology. So I was able to rotate through those um, subservices. So services for the first half of the fellowship, and the second half, clinical pathology, uh, include a lot more services like transfusion medicine, cytology, hematopathology. Uh, hematopathology is kind of in, in in between, and then chemical, uh, molecular diagnostics, informatics. Informatics is kind of also by its own, but anyways, and microbiology. So it's very broad. Um, and the 
key or the goal of this fellowship program is to give kind of like a taste of everything in pathology, at least like the highlights, which I think it did a wonderful job, uh, at least for me, for my experience this summer. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that I, from, from the schedule that, that you sent me, so there were also like daily conferences and then weekly autopsy mm-hmm. conferences. Can you tell me about those? Like what, what kind of things were covered there? Yeah. So daily conferences uh, or the morning 8 a.m. morning didactics are given to the residents, both uh, junior residents and senior residents. So the faculty will just cover um, any like board relevant topics. Um, I think I learned all about like uh, I think there was a cutaneous infectious disease series for maybe two, three lectures. And then there was a CNS uh, tumor or CNS malignancy series for like two or three lectures. And there are also lectures on like even how to do, how to deal with, how to deal with insurance, like how do you, what code do you bill for the services you provide? And there are some journal clubs and unknowns, which means that they, that there will be uh, surgical pathology slides available in the resident area. And then each morning, each Monday morning, uh, you will just go through them with the senior resident and the senior resident will kind of talk through each slide and highlight the important um, diagnostic or histological considerations. So those are, um, so a variety of things happen at 8 a.m. morning didactics. Okay. Yeah. And, and then what about the, the weekly autopsy conference? Yeah. So the weekly autopsy conference is, uh, well, first of all, a time for me to check in with uh, a fellowship director, Dr. Brooks, since she is the, uh, she's on autopsy service. Uh, she's a forensic pathologist uh, on autop- autopsy service. So each Wednesday, I would attend the gross conference to check in with her. So what happens at the gross conference is that each week, uh, medical autopsy cases uh, will get selected. Uh, well, first of all, medical autopsies performed by residents uh, will get chosen to be presented at gross conferences for significant uh, pathologies where uh, like just maybe like a really complex or intri- interesting case that the residents think would be good to share. So the autopsy faculties, uh, I think there are two of them, will be there as well as Dr. Brooks and all the residents will just bring out selected specimen that they kept from the medical autopsy cases and present them uh, by showing like various um, anatomy or structure abnormalities of the organ uh, while providing the history and the autopsy findings. Okay. I see. That makes sense. That that sounds very interesting, actually. Mm -hmm. This is the People of Pathology podcast with our guest, Grace Lee. We'll be right back. Whether you're working hard at the grossing bench, the autopsy table, behind a microscope, or any other area of the medical laboratory, there's one thing that we all need. Comfortable scrubs. The scrubs that I wear come from Dressamed. This is a company in California, and they've been making high-quality scrubs since 1980. They have a variety of styles and colors to choose from. As a matter of fact, I just ordered a set of the new soft stretch scrubs, so I'm looking forward to trying those out. You can check out Dressamed by following the link in the show notes. Make sure you sign up for their loyalty program where every order will earn you points towards special offers and discounts. LabVine is an interactive online learning platform where laboratory professionals learn, develop, and discover by sharing knowledge and building on each other's experience. The platform provides global access to internationally accredited laboratory-specific courses and other resources developed by lab specialists for the laboratory industry. LabVine is free to sign up, and you can use the link in the show notes to get started. Now back to Grace Lee on the People of Pathology podcast. I want to kind of go through your experience in each of these rotations. So if we could go back to the beginning of the summer, and you're just starting there. This is your first week, and your first rotation was on the autopsy service, which knowing what I know about you now, it seems like that would be perfect a perfect way for you to start. So let's talk about like what you did on the autopsy uh, rotation and then did this change your perception of forensic pathology? Yeah, so first week, um, I believe it was right after Memorial Day. So Memorial Day was a holiday. So that my first week of autopsy service uh, was only four days, but those four days we had 
like we had 14 cases combined, forensics and medical. So it was a really busy week. Oh wow! Which means uh, I was I was participating or assisting in at least two to three autopsies per day. <laughs> so it was it was an ordeal <laughs> for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, um, yeah. I really because I think it's been a while since my last autopsy experience. Probably, uh, I'm trying to recall. Probably, it's, it probably has been like at least three to four years. I mean, I did. Uh, we had anatomy lab and everything in medical school, but that's nothing like performing an autopsy, right? So the the first week, um, it was it was absolutely great to be back in there, to back back in the morgue and performing autopsies uh, with yeah. the attending physician and the residents. They were all really wonderful teachers, um, like pointing out significant pathologies. And I just felt, you know, very grateful that I have had a one year medical school education that actually be able to understand what they're talking about and be able to contribute in some ways uh, by writing down those findings on the board. And they were also, I think, towards the maybe the end of first week or second week, I was actually able to like get my hands dirty, essentially. Like I... Uh, was uh, the Dr. Brooks taught uh, taught me how to tie the carotid internal carotid artery for embalming purposes, and I was also able to dissect like organ like the each like organ blocks um, and section through um, like uh, like livers or lungs um, for those without significant pathology. So yeah, I was able to do essentially what a resident is able to do when. They are on uh, forensic service. They're on autopsy services. So for autopsy, we have medical and forensics. So medical is primarily those who um, who, are, who died in the hospital, and then the autopsy service is usually offered to answer either a specific clinical question or requested by the family. Um, so medical is treated um, slightly differently from forensics because with forensics we're more like we're more of a consulting service, uh, like a third party rather than, uh, you know, you're not really leading the investigation. You're just kind of providing the autopsy findings. So those can go a little differently uh, between medical and forensics. Medical, I feel like it's more educational because you are, as you are, you know, dissecting and uh, investigating like all these pathologies and all these um, abnormalities are really for your own educational purposes. So you can take as long as you want and learn as much as you want. But for forensics, uh, usually there is a specific question that you need to answer. So you generally kind of skip through a lot of the non-significant, insignificant uh, findings or insignificant pathologies. Right. Sure. Um, so those are those are kind of, I would say the ma- major differences. Uh, I think I see ba- values in both, and I think it's really good for any residents, uh, pathology residents, to learn how to perform both. Yeah. So that in general, that I think that kind of conformed my perception of forensic pathology into a more like academic um, sense. If that so, because initially I only shadowed. Uh, with like medical examiner's offices, right? Right. So like in those settings, forensics autopsies are also performed differently. Although we forensic pathology is one specialty and one you know service, uh, but it can look very different in very different settings. So I think this experience, or at least this rotation, uh, two week rotation in autopsy service, really broadened my horizon in terms of what an autopsy is and what forensic pathology is and what can be done, cannot be done in this setting. Okay. And it sounds like it confirmed that this is definitely what you want to do. Yes. Okay. All right. So, so that, that was two weeks, your first rotation. Correct. All right. So the second one, this is another two weeks. So this is uh, surgical pathology. So, so, so tell me about this. How did that go? Yeah. So for surge path, I rotated on breast services and medical liver. So for breast, we looked at breast biopsies uh, for the most part, and the majority of them are benign. Um, and I was also able to help the resident uh, that I worked with uh, gross a lot of specimens, like mastectomy, lumpectomy, uh, okay. and some 
some guy related cancers like GYN, like uh, ovarian cancers and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I really enjoyed grossing, <laughs> which that's good to hear. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that's, uh, I also, uh, one of the faculty members in breast services, like he made a, he made a remark, uh, about how forensic people, like forensic minded people, us people interested in forensic pathology, they all seem to enjoy grossing. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, yeah, I think I agree with that. With given my experience with with residents, yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. And so you were you did some grossing and you you did some looking at the the microscopic slides. Mm-hmm. Okay, that sounds that sounds interesting. All right, then let's go let's go on now. I think the rest of the rotations were a week each. So you've got, all right. So then transfusion and hematopathology were next. Uh, How did those go? Because those seem to be a little bit more, uh, a little bit more difficult sometimes. Yeah. um, So those are definitely different from autopsy uh, Uh or surgical pathology. So transfusion um, is... It's very fast paced because I feel like when I was on transfusion with the resident and the fellow and the uh, attending, the faculty, we're constantly on our feet. <laughs> so either we're going to go upstairs uh, to to the transfusion center to check on patients, speak with the nurses, check on the schedule, see if anybody needs anything, see, make sure everything is going well. Or we're in our uh, resident workroom or in the conference room going through all the blood bank, uh, uh, like requests, right? Like all the record that, okay, who got what unit of blood and is this correct? And like who got, you know, like in terms of like uh, type of screen, like is, is this the correct blood to give to this patient? Are there any transfusion reactions that we need to worry about? Uh, and like, what kind of antibodies does this patient have? And how does that determine what kind of blood we're able to um, supply? What kind of blood products we're able to provide? Um, so it's, it's very busy and is very fascinating. The faculty uh, on transfusion service with me that week, like he absolutely loved transfusion medicine. Like I, I can just tell from whenever he gives us lectures or any, uh, or just, in, just talk about like individual cases and his experience in transfusion. I can just tell like, this is what he loves doing. Um, yeah. So that was transfusion and then heme path. So we, heme path gets a lot of, um, consults. Yeah. Either, right. Either from surge path or, or hemoc, uh, hematology, oncology. So we look at a lot of peripheral blood smears. Um, so it's, I think by the end of the week, I, I'm able to at least tell what's normal from abnormal <laughs> on a peripheral blood smear, which is really cool. And, uh, also a lot of bone marrow biopsies. And it's really, it's really encouraging to me because I was able to have like an overlap of service since I, when I was on transfusion, there was a patient who would require, um, I think it was, uh, routine blood smears. Um, so that was actually sent to HemePath the next week. So I was able to tell that, okay, this is a patient I have seen and I've interacted with when I was on transfusion. And now he, uh, her result is actually in front of me and peripheral, peripheral blood smear when I'm on HemePath service. And so, um, I was, uh, I'm very happy to see that, uh, the treatment is working. And the specific treatment for her was, I believe, photophoresis. Uh, which means removing like a malignant uh, white cells from the blood. Um, so it's really good to see that her results are improving based on peripheral uh, blood smears. So okay, so it's good that those two are you know back to back. Oh yeah, that makes sense. I, so you had patient interaction throughout these rotations. Yeah, at least transfusion. Okay. Yeah. Did you enjoy that part? Yeah, so um, I was able to, because for transfusion, you have to get consent, right? You have to get a patient to sign the consent form mm-hmm. before you can do procedures. So the resident and I would, and resident fellow and I would just go to various places. It's like, you know, trying to, the, the hospital is huge <laughs> and we, yeah. we need to like, 
essentially track down the patient where they are. And sometimes we even get lost, which is okay. Uh, so eventually when we find the patient and we kind of talk about, okay, so here's what we're going to do in layman terms, right? And here are some of the potential adverse effects you might experience. Do you have any questions for us? And so that is the interaction piece where we get them to send the consignment form. And then we will come back and check on them periodically to make sure, you know, they're doing okay. There's no like transfusion re reactions, no allergic reactions. And the procedure is doing what it's supposed to do. And the reason I asked that one is because a lot of times, at least the perception is that people that go into pathology don't really want that sort of patient interaction. But it sounds like you kind of enjoyed it. I think people in pathology are very friendly, uh, yeah, well, I would very agree. loving people. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think it's necessarily that they don't want patient interaction. Like I, I think, I think they enjoy interaction with people, but just in a different way, you know, like because we have to interact constantly with clinicians, nurses, uh, like laboratory staff. Right. So it's, it's essentially that patient interaction component is broken down and redistributed into all these other interactions. Oh, okay. That's yeah. that, that's an interesting way to think about that. I, yeah. I, I like that. Okay. Yeah. The next one then uh, is was cytology or cytopathology. And for this one, so you're going to the Wisconsin State Lab of Hygiene, mm -hmm. which sounds fascinating. Uh, can you tell me about that? Yeah. So uh, Wisconsin State Lab of Hygiene, they take care of, I think majority of the pap smear and that's, that's what I've looked at most uh, during my rotation there. And they also do a lot of uh, fine needle aspiration. They have a huge variety of cases for educational purposes because they also have a settle technology uh, training program. So they train uh, oh, yeah. the cytotechs, right? Mm -hmm. um, so what, how it works is that the cytotechs would essentially screen through the uh, the pap smear. If they see something abnormal, if they see something, you know, like uh, significant, they would mark it and that would get referred to the pathologist or pathology residents, right? So during my cytal rotation, I was able to essentially look at, look at the referral uh, pap smear with the pathology resident on rotation during the time and sign out cases with the lab director who is the um, cytopathologist. Okay, that, that sounds yeah. interesting. And, and did you enjoy that that week? Yeah. Um, so state lab of hygiene, we, there's not only, not only pap smear or cytology, there's also cytogenetics, which I believe is on like a couple floors above us. So they do something very different. They, I think they also do some newborn screening. So, yeah. So I think that that, that week, because you're only looking at pap smear, right? So it's very, it's, it's very nice to just zoom in on like one, like one diagnosis or one diagnostic entity, right? So you're not really distracted by anything else because under the pap smear, you can really zoom in on some morphology, uh, like you know, like architecture and just in just general uh, perhaps cytology related, you know, just really get your eyes trained for cytology. Mm -hmm. So I really enjoy that because uh, I think on other services and like even like autopsy, there's so many things you're looking at, right? You're you're taking samples from every single organ, so you kind of have to like switch your eyes between different um, different organs so that you can pick out. Uh, or pick up on the abnormalities, but with pap smear because you're the, so it's such high volume, and then there's a system, systematic uh, way to uh, look at pap smear. Like you go on 10x and you screen uh, through like 50 fields, right? And then you have to count how many abnormal cells there are. And it's cytology stains are just a lot cleaner because you're really looking at you're zooming in on individual cells versus H and E uh, histology. You're looking at a piece of, a piece of tissue where yeah. you have parenchyma and stroma. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. I, I like histology and just the educators. Uh, they have uh, educators for the cytotech programs. And the new resident, uh, the first-year resident who was there at the time with me, they're all, like, very great teachers and very friendly people. So I really enjoy my time there with them. You know, since you mentioned that, what, what was kind of your interaction with the residents were they very welcoming of, of having you there? 
Yeah, I would say the residents are and the faculties are probably the greatest assets of any residency programs. So I think what impressed me the most about uh, the pathology residency program at UW is that like everyone is just so willing to teach and, you know, like really passionate and really enthusiastic about what they do. And they get really excited when somebody else is also interested in what they do. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so I would say not even, I don't, I don't think I have any negative experience. Like I think all the residents, either junior residents, like the people who just came on board in July, uh, or senior residents, like second, third, uh, second, third, fourth year, uh, people, they're all, they're all, they're all, you know, very friendly, um, very enthusiastic and, um, absolutely love what they do. And, ready and willing to teach you about what they do. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's great. I like that. All right. So then the, the last three rotations are chemistry, molecular diagnostics, and then finally microbiology. And each of these was a week. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's, let's kind of briefly go through those. Yeah. So actually we combine chemical and molecular together. So that oh, okay. would just, that's just one week. Yeah. Oh, all right. Yeah. So, yeah. So for chemistry and molecular, I think we, I would, I did a variety of things. So there's the aspect of, um, kind of lab management. So it, it, yeah. So with CP side, you really get into like CLIA, uh, stuff like the l- clinical laboratory regulation and management, right? Because essentially what you do is more laboratory medicine. So I actually learned a lot about, um, you know, like the various errors that can happen uh, during okay. a specimen accession, right? So like from the point when it gets uh, collected from the patient uh, to labeling and then to being sent off to the lab. And then uh, then when you're at the lab, how do you process the specimen? And then after processing, what results uh, do you, the results that you get and how do you interpret the results and how do you apply that to clinical decisions? So I think the key thing, like from all my um, preceptors or the faculties that I work with in these three areas, like uh, one of the things that I, uh, the commonality is that um, it's important to understand not just the medicine, not just the like biology, but also also understand the process, right? Having like a 3,000 foot view of what is going on from beginning to the end? And like, if anything happens in between, how can we intervene? How can we essentially elim- eliminate the errors or minimize the error so that this process can go as smooth as possible for, um, for the best clinical outcome for the patient? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I like that. That makes, yeah. that makes sense. All right. And then uh, micro. Now this seems it, it's kind of related to forensic pathology. I mean, I know it's utilized quite a bit. Did you enjoy micro? Yeah. So I was able to observe um, at the bench with the micro technicians, uh, I think for two hours a day for five days. Um, yeah. So each day I would rotate on a different bench. So like a specimen is received and then it's distributed or uh, reassigned to the different bench, either like respiratory or like wounds uh, or, you know, parasitology, mycology. Micro is very, very broad. Uh, so I, when I observed the bench, like they would show me various uh, plates um, that they would use to grow culture and how to interpret and what are the, like, you know, like either rapid essays or mass spectrometry based essays and various diagnostic entities that they would use to kind of to figure out what is the microorganism present in the specimen. And also after we figure out what is present, is this clinically significant? Is this something that we need to report to the clinicians? Is this going to change their treatment decisions or is this just almost like an incidental finding? So it's really good to be there at the bench because I love research. I actually Mm -hmm. had some um, micro research experience uh, working with uh, like bacteria that uh, make biofuel. Like that was that was one of our projects to, you know, looking at bacteria based biofuel uh, production. Yeah. So, yeah. So it was good to just be back there again, uh, you know, like doing various tests to figure out following the flow chart and figure out 
what microorganism this is and looking at gram stains and also uh, really cool like for uh, like see how some microbes actually for fluoresce in black light so that was that was a treat and also I, I had two lectures with the director of microbiology like he's also he was a uh he's a pathologist board certified pathologist and then he became the micro director so we looked at some some infectious diseases uh histology like he had various um like slides and uh, like h&e and various things for uh, infectious diseases um, so that was really cool to look at it and realizing not everything is microbe not everything is microbial like some are just like plant cells <laughs> that mm. ended up okay. in like the tissue and people are wondering what is this so it's the key is to first identify is this microbial or not and then you can go from there to figure out whether it's viral fungal or parasitic or bacterial yeah okay okay yeah. so so in this 10 weeks i mean you really covered a lot of ground this seems like a great way for a, a medical student to get a taste of pathology um mm-hmm. so so your experience overall it sounds like you loved it am, am, am i right correct i enjoyed every single minute of it <laughs> okay and it so this confirmed for you pathology is definitely uh the field for you yes i would say so okay now it sounds like you were the only medical student in this fellowship at the time but yes. from what i understand that's not normally the case it just depends on the year i think Dr. Brooks told me that one year they had, they even had to turn people away because there were so many applicants. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. And they can only, they only have funding for, I think, four or four to six, maybe. Yeah. So there were some, you know, like big years and some small years. <laughs> I guess my year is like this year, it just happened to be that I'm the only one. Yeah. Okay, I see. And now I was going to ask you if you would recommend this fellowship to others. And I mean, have you done that already? Yeah, so I think I double check with Dr. Brooks. Um, She said, like, as long as they're looking for someone who has some connection with Wisconsin, right? Because the the support or the stipend for the fellowship is from the Angevine family. I think Dr. Angevine was um, the chair of the de- department of pathology um back in the days and oh, this okay. is yeah that's their basically the way to support students who are interested in pathology in honor of dr angevine so yeah so that's i think that's that is the bottom line criteria like having some connection with wisconsin like, i think there was one year a student from mcw uh what did the angevine fellowship so oh, all right yeah yeah um so i you know, I would highly recommend it to any medical students, like regardless of what specialty you want to do later on, like this is such great exposure because yeah, no matter what you do, you probably will come across pathology and laboratory medicine at some point in your career. And it's really, I think, crucial to understand it's not just a black box where you send a specimen in and spit out the results. It doesn't work that way. (laughs) There are people (laughs) operating behind in this it's good to have a mutual understanding so that like the whole process can be streamlined, like, right. Because ultimately as a clinician, you want it to provide the best diagnosis for your patient and leading to the most appropriate treatment. So if this, the lab part and the pathology part is, um, it will become very important to you. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I would highly recommend it to any medical students. Um, and I think it's a great way to spend the summer. Yeah, it sounds like it. Okay. Yeah, that, that's, that's true. I mean, this, is, this would be helpful to any, any doctor of, of any specialty, really, just to have a better understanding of pathology. So that's, I'm, I'm glad things like this exist. Grace, this has been a really interesting conversation. I, I enjoyed getting to know you more and hearing about your experience at Angevine Fellowship. Uh, Grace Lee, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you, Dennis. It's a pleasure to be on here. Great big thanks to Grace Lee. Here's a trailer from another episode that I think you'll enjoy. And then I'll be back with some final comments on this episode. Like that would be kind of daunting that, it, you know, adding that extra time to your medical school, in, to your medical education. Is that, did that play any role with you as far as deciding to do it? You know, 
people ask me that all the time and they say, oh, I could have never done that. I, you know, training is such a long experience. If you want to be a doctor, you've got four years of medical school and then you've got three to nine years of residency, depending on what you do. And then you have fellowships and then you're an attending and you get to do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And I don't really feel that way. I think that I am doing what I want to do. Like <laughs> as a pathology student fellow, I was getting paid. Well, it was more of a stipend really, but I was just excited to have a job in healthcare, in medicine. I didn't feel like it was stalling my future. I felt like I was just going to work every day and, and doing something that I wanted to do. You can hear more from Dr. Phoebe Hammer and her experience in the post-sophomore fellowship in episode 92. All right. I really enjoyed this conversation with Grace, and I know she's been a fan of this podcast since probably the beginning. Uh, So it was really fun to finally have her on the show and to be able to talk with her. Also, it was really interesting to learn about the Angevine Fellowship Uh, Grace mentioned the director of it, Dr. Aaron Brooks, a couple of times, and Dr. Brooks and others, they wrote a paper about the Angevine Fellowship, which I'll link in the show notes. It's a really good read. I recommend that. And in an email from Dr. Brooks, she said that it's not that the majority of medical students are consciously choosing not to do pathology. It's just that it's not even on their radar. And I mentioned this in the beginning. I mean, most medical schools don't have required courses in pathology or required rotations in pathology anymore. And Dr. Brooks mentioned that the post-sophomore fellowship is one model that can help with this problem. And the Angevine Fellowship and others like it is another way to do it, which even though it's much shorter, it doesn't add any time to the medical school education because it's during the summer. As always, I'll have links in the show notes to everything that we talked about today. Don't forget you can follow this show on Twitter and Instagram at People of Path, or you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Thank you for continuing to share the show with others, and together let's inspire the next generation of pathologists and laboratory professionals. This show is a member of Health Podcast Network, which connects listeners with conversations and stories about health, care, and well-being, and you can find a link in the show notes to Health Podcast Network if you'd like to check out some of their other interesting podcasts. Thank you very much for listening, and I will talk to you next time on the People of Pathology podcast.